I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. There's so many deplorable men on our show that uh, I thought the odds were not good that I would be, I would be a good guy. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take a shifty little beady eye over me. But there's something interesting going on with him and trying to figure out whose side he's on. It's been fun. They really done a marvelous job of dangling that carrot for fans for the last couple of seasons. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, a weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. I'm Fiona Williams and when I'm not doing this, I'm Head of Curation at SBS On Demand and I'm joined by my friends, colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Haiti Island, channel manager of SBS On Demand. Hello. And Sana Kadar, host of ABC Radio National's All in the Mind. Hey. Hello. Welcome back. This episode is dropping in the week where Handmaids is premiering. We've already done two recaps. <laughs> We've recapped both episodes. We just are never not together because we've got <laughs> a bonus episode where we have a deep dive interview. We have a very special guest joining us today. You know him as Mark Tuello. Sam Yeager is joining us in our Zoom room in a moment to give us all of the delicious details about this shady diplomat, what's his story, what's with him and Serena, all of it. We are going to try and get the answers. We've got invitations out to everyone involved in the show and we just want to bring you amazing interviews as they come this season. And uh, with Tuello's business in episode one and episode two of season five, we just thought now was an amazing time to start to chip away at this um, mysterious character. So let's get Sam Yeager into our Zoom room. Sam Yeager, Mark Tuello, Mr. Treason and Coconuts himself. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead. Uh, we are overjoyed to have new episodes of Handmaids to savour and overanalyse. <laughs> and thank you so much for jumping into our Zoom room. We really want to have a good old chat with you. So thank you. Oh, it's exciting to be with you all. That's, uh, I've listened to your show uh, a couple of times, mostly just to kind of research my own show. So it's been fun to, to hear Bruce and others talk about our show and to hear their perspective on it. So you guys are uh, a great resource for any fans of our, our show. So thank you for all the hard work you guys do. Oh, look, thank you. That's slightly terrifying to know that people, that you listen, but, uh, and now we immediately wonder what the hell we've said. But, no, thank you so much. And thanks for doing a promo maybe for us just then. Sure, anytime. <laughs> Love it. Look, Mark Tuello, he is a tough nut to crack. He's an enigma wrapped in a puffer vest sometimes. Um, we, we haven't had a Tuello flashback yet. Maybe you have one this season, I don't know. But um, what, what's his story? What's your kind of read on, on Mark? Yeah, I think I think Mark is in love with uh, 
I think he loves his country and well, what's left of it or what it was. And I think one of the great things that I've been able to be a part of this season is watching, you know, for the longest time, like you said, Mark has been an enigma and we finally get to see more of who Mark is this season. Um, he's had to be diplomatic is a very polite way of saying it. But, you know, I, I would say he, people would think of him as kind of on the fence and whether he's kind of playing both sides. And uh, there is certainly that to him. But I think his aim is 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 good. I think it, we, we see early on in season two through discussions with June and others just kind of where his allegiances lie. And he has, he's always navigating. That's one of the things I enjoy so much about doing this role is that the writers just do such a marvelous job of making sure that he never explains too much because he's always trying to hold his cards close to the vest. But we do get to see that, you know, his demeanor slip a little bit more this season than in the seasons past, which is fun. Oh, that sounds good. When you first joined, like, can you tell us about that? Because like every season, your role seems to get bigger, which is very exciting. Like, did you know that from the beginning? No, I had no idea. I, I actually auditioned for this and it was just a, a guest starring role. And yet, I think they must have known that this was where the story would go. Because for two months, they were like, hey, it's down to you and this other guy. And I was like, this is for a guest star, right? Like, this is not, I mean, okay, all right. Well, I get it, great. It's a wonderful show, but I've got, you know, lots of other auditions. <laughs> and then, you know, luckily it's, uh, it's just been a show that, you know, they write to people's strengths and that they, you know, they've involved me more and more. I, I guess I haven't burned any bridges there and I get, get along well with, with everybody. They are. Uh, you know, they're really, truly one of the best teams I've ever gotten to work with. I've worked with a lot of very talented people, but talented and married to the story is hard to find in our industry. And uh, that's been a, a real, a really humbling thing to be a part of, that everybody that comes into the show, the, the cast and crew are all still, even after five seasons, trying to say, what is the best way to tell this story in a way that feels honest and in a way that feels riveting? And um, man, it's just been a, a, just a thrill to be a more and more a part of each season. Hey, Sam, it's Sana here. Just wondering, when you were auditioning, were you um, relieved to be playing a good guy rather than a commander on the show? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I guess I'm one of the only... The only good white guys, aren't I? I mean, there's so many, there's so many deplorable men on our show that uh, I thought the odds were not good that I would be, I would be a good guy. And I think that was also one of the things that they loved so much about writing for Mark is, you know, here's this guy, he's an outsider. And in a lot of ways, he feels like, you know, just another commander of Gilead, but we, you know, there's something interesting going on with him and, and, you know, trying to figure out whose side he's on, I think has been, has been fun. They've really done a marvelous job of dangling that carrot for fans for the last couple of seasons. But to find out that he's not an ax murderer 
after season five has been a real joy, you know, because <laughs> there was also that potential too. That's why they, you know, wrote it the way they, maybe they just wrote it in that way. So they could always say, well, you know, maybe in case Sam turns out to be a total jerk, we can always <laughs> just turn him into a commander. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But fair. So, thankfully it hasn't, hasn't happened so far. <laughs> so in the last season and up to this point, really, Tuello has seen Fred as you know, the big fish. That's that's kind of changed now. So who's who's the big fish now? Yeah. Well, I think there are two big fish. I think there are two dangers. You know, I think Bruce and the writing staff know enough about history to know that whenever there's some menace in power a lot of times we often think that the next phase is going to resolve all the horrible things that that person in power brought into the world. But it's never that easy. There's always somebody to take the reins, to assume the throne, so to speak. And there are many commanders probably chomping at that bit. And we start to see that people are quick to jump into Fred's position in season five. Unfortunately, if, if Fred were the only bad seed in Gilead, we wouldn't have a show. But <laughs> there's, there's a season five for a reason. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's also a reason that Margaret wrote the Testaments. And we also know, sadly enough, that The Handmaids is not the end of our story. And if it were, we'd all be let off the hook. I kind of feel this way. I thought this about, um, you know, Hillary Clinton you know, back when, when Trump was elected. And I thought for a great number of people, had Hillary been elected, that would have been the riding off into the sunset. That would have resolved, well, we've checked all these boxes. We as a society don't have to evolve anymore. That's the end of our story. We don't need to grow. We put a, a woman in office, you know, and the opposite came to pass. And I think we, certainly as a citizen of the United States, I have to take a look at myself and say, okay, well, I can't leave it to voting to make the change. I have to take, I have to change myself. I have to look at where I am constantly um, and figure out where I am. If I can contribute to society in a better way, it's just not good enough. <laughs> and so Fred's, yes, Fred's demise was supposed to be this great euphoric moment, but also it's the moment we'd been waiting for for seasons. And when it happened, bless our writers, they didn't make it this come to Jesus moment, if you will. It, you know, it was a very uh, harrowing and troubling episode. And uh, I think that's what makes this show resonate so much. Mm. Yeah, the um, euphoria of that moment is very briefly lived. <laughs> and there's always going to be another Fred. Yes. Yeah. And and seeing the first two, I remember reading the first two episodes of season, uh, of this season, and just thinking, oh, man. Oh, no. This is painful, the, what is transpiring. But it is the natural progression, you know. And so... They just have such a good, they do such a fine job of just turning that screw, you know, just tightening everything in Gilead. 
So I, I think season five is just expands the world in many ways that we saw in season four, you know, um, which is one of the reasons, you know, Bruce has June escape Gilead in the middle of season four. If she does it at the end of season four, it's, it's a huge victory, but you know, it's just another, it's another step. And then we have to, you know, June has to figure out, okay, well, I did that. Now, who am I? And what do I do now? So I think that's honest. Yeah, agree. And, you know, the, we're midway through season four when she gets out. It's one of the saddest hours of television we've ever seen. You know, we cried our way through, <laughs> through that one. It's like, Jesus, careful what you wish for. But, you know, you mentioned the real world connections and of the source material as much, and the show always for, you know, women all over the world. But, you know, looking at America and, and the time that this, this season is coming up, particularly the times we're living in, in um, episode two, that walk, the candlelit vigil and, and the, the change in, you know, Mark and Serena particularly in that moment is very the sign of the times as much as anything else. Um, I, I want to talk about Mark and Serena and that dynamic, you know, their complex alliance What's your read on that? And, I mean, to acknowledge the elephant in the room, you know, things do get a little flirty, <laughs> that, that kind of that dynamic that you two have to whatever tactics or, or whatever. So, yeah, can we, can we talk about the Mark Serena dynamic and, and what's going on What's going on there? Yeah. I think Mark and Serena recognise the intelligence that the, the other has, that they admire one another but also know the game that each other is playing in any given moment. So I think there's certainly an attraction there. When I, when I came on the show, I chose uh, specifically not to watch any of the episodes of the first season, except for the flashbacks of Serena, because I wanted Mark to only know who Serena was before Gilead. And I think in many ways, Mark is still holding on to who she was this sort of firebrand feminist that, that was, you know, such an amazing reveal of the earlier seasons. And I think this is the first season where he's able to see that just the, the hold that Gilead has on Serena and also Serena's quest for not only, I guess, kind of the sense of righteousness, but also her, her own quest for power. I think that's an interesting storyline always in our show. And Serena is someone we relate to in strange moments that we don't expect to empathize with at all. But because Yvonne is such a marvelous actress and, and because the staff, the writing team has done the job they've done, this is the real beauty of TV. You get to watch people that you would hate in a movie you know, that you would say that's the bad guy twirling his mustache. But in a TV series, you get to say, oh, well, maybe she's not so bad after all. But you know what? She is. No, she is. She's really awful. To hell with her. But, you know, and it's and isn't that true about life? The moment we want to just write somebody off. If we just understood one small angle of who they were, we might say, damn it, okay, all right, I'll give them another shot. Or I don't agree with them, but I do understand them. I think that's, that's one of the, the real pleasures of modern TV. 
you know, it's given us this uh, uh, more of a prism through which we get to see humanity. Whereas movies, it was like, okay, good guy, good girl, bad guy, bad girl, two hours, let's have them blow shit up. And there are still those movies, sure. But even in the Marvel movies, they're now trying to find the reason, you know, the real through line for even the antagonists. You absolutely just uh, described my inner monologue as I've been watching (laughs) Serena (laughs) and discussing her in this podcast for the last few seasons. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. (laughs) I think that's that's why it's it's fun to watch Twello's character because he mirrors that. He's, you know, often so optimistic about Serena's potential to to turn around. But yeah, you're constantly kind of uh, flipping on your opinion of her as you watch through Tuella's eyes. Completely. Yeah, this season is fun too because we get to kind of glimpse Gilead more through Mark's eyes. And I think it's a lovely opportunity for us as fans to revisit, you know, what it was because even we've become accepting of what the norms of Gilead are. So to see somebody come into Gilead and witness it firsthand and to see just how surreal that world is, you know, it's a cool moment. It is. It's so interesting that your character goes into Gilead, partly also because your character knows everything about Gilead, you know, like I think that he has read and seen everything that like the handmaids and refugees have said. So can you tell us like, what do you think it's like for him to actually go in and see it firsthand? Yeah, I think it was a, it was an interesting, um, trying to find the balance there where he's not necessarily, he's certainly not enamored of the people that he's read and understood so much about, but these are almost icons to him or people that he's, tried to navigate around for for years and to be present with them and to see everything firsthand, I think is a pretty harrowing experience for him. One of the things that he says is that, you know, it certainly, it only kind of cements for him that what he's doing, I think is true, that he's, that this feels, there's a lot of pageantry just papering over a supreme amount of hypocrisy in Gilead. And yes, it is beautiful, but uh, so are many other dangerous things in the world. He also seems very vulnerable in episode two, Alone in Gilead. You know, there's no one else there to back him up. I was scared for what was going to happen to him. Yeah, yeah. And certainly uh, more powerless in a way Mm. compared to, you know, all these people in there regal decor and, and so forth. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting moment for people to, to watch, I think. Yeah, there was this moment where he was sort of getting pushed around a bit and told to sit in a chair and you can't come any further into the Putnam house. And your character just sort of just sort of sits there and takes the food. You know, what do you think he's thinking? I think he's thinking, well, what he often thinks, which is, well, I'm in this situation now. What can I glean from it? I'm here to try and find allegiances and to soak up as much of this and take it back with me. So I need to be sort of a data bank now. So I'll sit here and I'll play your game. But at the same time, I need to read the room and see where these alliances 
you know, where these bonds are, who Serene is talking to. So he's always trying to gain some leverage out of any situation. Isn't everyone <laughs> in that world? Um, the way you play him, you know, um, have you met any of the Mark Tuellos of the world? Did you have a chat to them? And I'm really fascinated with your body language and, and like the the cadence that you um, deliver some of the lines. Like there's a bit of a halting delivery sometimes. I just like how do you get in the skin and the headspace of, of Mark to play him? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I <laughs> I don't realize my cadence until I have to go and do ADR. <laughs> And then I realized, oh, man, if only I were just one of those actors who said the line with every consonant that was written and every, you know, I always try to find an angle to say a line that feels new and fresh. And it's a pain in the ass when I'm trying to loop that ADR later. But um, I think that's part of, you know, Mark carries himself because he's he's pausing in moments to try and figure out the best angle you know how to maneuver his speech in a way that he can kind of win the situation so to speak you know he's diplomatic to a fault you know even at the end of season five i'm still calling june uh, miss osborne yeah so i think he likes to he also i think there's part of him that needs that separation because he does care so deeply for his cause um, could you also tell us a bit about working with Avon and Lizzie? Because you actually get to have one-on-one scenes with them both. Um, so what is that like? Oh, man, they are just just marvellous people. They really are. I mean, I, I sat down with Bruce this last week and I said, how did you, I mean, you must have vetted us all. Because I've worked with a lot of great people, but um Everybody on our show just does, is there to tell the story. They're not there for themselves. And there's no discussion about, well, I wouldn't, you know, do this or do that. Or it's really all about, okay, what is the best way, you know, mm-hmm. what's the most interesting angle to tell this story, which tells the richest story, the most complex story. And Yvonne is always focused on that. And she's not only interested in what Serena needs to do, but she's now, she discusses, it's fun to watch her talk with, you know, the camera operators about what lenses they're using because she's fascinated. She wants to learn and start learning more about how we tell the story. And I think that always helps as, it certainly helps as a filmmaker, but it helps as an actor or actress when you are focused on, okay, what do they need? What do we need to make this story as nuanced as possible? And Yvonne does that beautifully. And Lizzie just understands our show front and back. And to see her direct these episodes and to be a part of it is really marvelous. I'm kind of in awe of her because oftentimes when you get direction, there's an anxiety about it. And with Lizzie, it's the same ease that we communicate as people. You know, she still feels like she's learning as a director, but boy, she just knows this world so well. And to have gotten to spend more time with her just as a person, I'm I'm just so thrilled. You know, you want you want your lead to set 
the bar for everybody. And she does in a way that is seems effortless. That really just feels like, you know, she's just kind. They're just mm-hmm. wonderful people. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough good things about about all of them. You know, OT, I've gotten no more this season, and Max and Bradley. And um, man, we're I, I'm so I'm really excited to go to the Toronto uh, next week to celebrate. You know, we're showing we're premiering at the TIFF next week and um because of covid we haven't really had a chance to really celebrate what this show has has been for us even you know there haven't been any cast parties or rap parties or anything like that so it'll be just so wonderful to share the show not just with our audience but also with the people that you know i got to see on a daily basis that's, that's fantastic. Look, well, thank you for taking this time. It's such a treat to, you know, be able to, like, we love the show, obviously, but, yeah, just to, to get this kind of insight into, into the characters is invaluable. So thank you. And, look, we've only seen two episodes of the season, but um, we can't wait to get more. And you're more than welcome to jump back in our Zoom room anytime. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> anytime. we'll have a million questions. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been great to, to chat with you, ladies. You asked so many great questions, and I, I can tell how much you love the show, and we just love trying to share it with you in a way that feels honest and you know we want to do right by you guys so thank you for everything you do well mr treason of coconuts i can see why she was um <laughs> contemplating fleeing gilead um <laughs> that's right? great yeah what what insights yeah like as you said you know he started as a small character just a bit part but now he's right in there going to fred's funeral for god's sake and when he liked that he said that um he got to know ot and i'm like yeah how many scenes does he have and max i'm like what's coming up I, exactly yeah their worlds have not collided but clearly no. they're about to thanks for that <laughs> yeah good stuff there was a moment at the start of the interview when he said Tuello just really loves, and then he lingered on that moment. I was gonna, I was just thinking, is he gonna say Serena? Is he gonna say Serena? Surely not. And then he did it, and it was all fine. So, there'll be tweets. There'll be tweets. Um, yeah, I, I didn't actually pursue the line. He must be aware of the the theory running hot on Twitter. Not one of my terrible theories, I have to say. Um, but. The parentage of Serena's child may be in question. I've seen a few tweets. That's to right. That. Yeah, but like, no, guys. <laughs> I was waiting Wrong for show. you to ask that. I wanted to know <laughs> Wrong what show. you would have to say. That was a hot rumor for a while. I think the <laughs> the show, the writers, you know, deliberately left that ambiguous, even though I don't think it's the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that would be a wild U-turn on the on the trajectory of the show. It'd be very soap operatic. Yes. yes. I think it's given us a really good way of thinking about how he thinks about Serena. Like that's what I found really interesting yep. was that even him as an actor has not gone back to watch the episodes yes. to see Serena acting in Gilead. So he only knows her as that pre-Gilead person. And that sort of makes sense now. Like I can actually see that now, like trying to figure out how does this character actually feel about Serena because he seems, despite knowing so much and, and, and having heard what June said, he still seems to like and admire Serena in some like weird way and it makes sense now. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah, yeah. And, be, and he's always surprisingly confused by her behaviour when I think those of us watching are like, what did you think she would do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And the moment in at the end of episode one of the new season where he thanks June for mm. killing Fred and, you know, it, it lets yeah. her off the hook really. That, that's his little lifting the veil moment that is so telling. Loved it. 
Mm. A, a long way from the uh, the previous scene we had with those two in that front yard where she was yelling that she was going to kill him. <laughs> this is what a turnaround. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's relief that it was someone else. It wasn't him. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't kill him but killed someone. Yeah, use that energy, but uh, yeah, not on me. Thanks very much. Sana, it was, it was funny that question you asked him about not being a, a bad guy in this uh-huh. show and how he felt about that because um, he is also on our screens in a different SBS On Demand show called Why Women Kill, where he Mm -hmm. plays uh, a bit of a a cheating 1960s husband, which is strangely more reminiscent of Commander than a diplomat. (laughs) Um, And it's a great show. So I I wanted to give it a little plug for anyone who's a Handmaid's fan that maybe hasn't caught it because there's – Lots of fantastic Sam Yeager action in season one. And Ooh. I don't know, there's something about Sam Yeager and shows with uh, killer women in it. Uh, <laughs> it must, must just attract him, something about these scripts. So uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, have that as part of your Sam Yeager season um, at SBS On Demand. Yeah, good stuff while we wait for the next episode of The Handmaid's Tale to drop. So thank you to Sam Yeager, friend of the show, for jumping on as our first interview guest for this season. Don't worry, we've got many, many more requests in there, so we hope to bring you some more deep dives um, in addition to our episode recaps of this amazing new season five of The Handmaid's Tale. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, don't let the bastard grind you down. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty building's thinking eyes off me. Good guy, good girl, bad guy, bad girl, two hours, let's have them blow shit up. <laughs>